met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Welcome to another episode of Subconscious Realms. I'm your host, General Lee. For tonight, we have yet another incredible returning guest joining us. Now, today's guest, he is a, an artist. He's like, like no other. Um, you know, he's so unique, the style. Um, it's like fucking, I, I, can't, I can't compare it to anything else because it is like nothing else. It is, um, oh, it's, it's fucking phenomenal. Um, in addition to this, he is an author, he's an elite level researcher, that's a true guest to our community. And to me, having uh, the opportunity to be speaking again with this gentleman is a true honour indeed. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the absolutely phenomenal Sir Robbie Marks. Uh, now then, Robbie, mate. Hey, Lee, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> been looking forward to this one, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and it is definitely because uh, we had been talking back and forth, and you'd ask you'd ask me if I'd read the Book of Invasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I had actually read it, but it must have been twenty years ago. You know, twenty years ago, right? Yeah. So revisiting it was was you know very interesting in regard to um, the line of uh, research I've been doing, and you know, as far as the whole Nimrod story. You know, that's that, mad, that isn't it? That's bad. Yeah. I was like, um, you've been doing that, and then I mentioned this, and it's like, fucking yeah, right. Well, and oh. I've been off in that Mesopotamian and and kind of getting into some of the uh, you know, Akkadian and and different oh, like yeah. pre Diluvians. So I've really been focusing, um, pretty much pre Greek. Um, in, in most of my studies. So, you know, and, and Greek, I've read a good bit of Greek. Um, but as far as, you know, when that starts to translate into Roman, that's something I'm just kind of rolling into now, you know. Right, right. So, I bet um, that's a challenge in our Yeah, well, it's, it's very much like the Mesopotamian, you know, um, as far as how these different gods are like hopscotching and being reborn yeah, yeah. at you know under different names or like um who is it that wrote metamorphosis um basically you know going through and showing how these different entities turn into different like spirit animals different rivers yeah. Diff even even in cases you know sometimes lands you know like um yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. i mean it's like uh it's like uh, what they also represent like some of the some Ovid, of the yeah, Ovid is who <laughs> yeah. Ovid is who wrote Metamorphosis, but yeah, Ovid, Ovid, oh, that's phenomenal work. If if you want to read some Ovid, Metamorphosis, yep, yep. Check that out. Um, if you recommend it, 
<laughs> yeah. It's, it's, Much more than good enough for me. <laughs> it's basically just uh, like Ovid went through the histories and he finds all the points in the histories where these different gods um, metamorphose, not all of them, but a select group of them, you know. And as far as he gets into the Druids and some of the, like, um, the miscellaneous, um, the Norse and, and some of the, you know, roving barbarian Celtic, tribes. There's some Celtic in there as well. And the, well, and the Celts, yeah. And I'm reading that book on the Celts now after I finished this one, um, oh, the Book of Invasions mate, mate. again, you know. But that's um, fantastic. Yeah, so um, now the book of in so I'm probably gonna slaughter some of these names just because it's not my own tongue, you know. Um, yeah, it's um, it's, it's Irish, mate, and it's it's a language to itself. Right, right. Yeah, well, that's the, originally it was. Well, and that gets very interesting. Names. Well, because we're gonna get into the Tower of Babel and basically where um, oh, some man. of these languages came from, and and you know this book specifically you know, talks about that in a couple spots. So brilliant, um, brilliant. Yeah. So now the the title um is Lebor Gabala Erin. Lebor Gabala Erin. And basically it's it's translated to the book of the taking of Ireland or the book of invasions, right? And um yeah. Now this is uh it it was a type of sacred verse. Um very much how the Old Testament wasn't written down, it was passed by word of mouth, you know, from the from the master to the initiate. Yeah. Um basically these were looked at as sacred verse and they were memorized and they were sung and chanted in, you know, ritual situations. So, yeah. you know, but now the thing is this isn't just um one book this actually comes from four different sources that they they found parts of the stories that were in each other and kind of put them together and regionally you know they're all coming from the same region um, four, within Ireland, four, right? four separate um authors so to speak four separate yes manuscripts from different areas um and, and it's it's quite interesting and we're looking at generally you know, each one of them was damaged, um, has missing parts. Um, we're looking at from the 6th to the 7th century. So we're looking at, you know, late 500s into the 600s. Circa is, is the guess, you know. Um, so we have uh, the first one is Book Leinster, which the folio measures 12.7 inches by 9 inches. And it's 51 to 53 lines per page. And then we have book two, which is the book Fermog, which measures 10.5 inches by eight inches and is 31 lines. And um, yeah, now this book, it does not end. Um, the story of King David. Uh, oh, there's, there was added into it by another scribe, a story about King David and a beggar as far as because you got to figure as these texts transitioned hands um some of these monks i mean there's cases of them they would go and take like a knife and they would scratch out certain parts of the story and then they would fill in other parts of the story um so they were able to get some parts that had been scratched out from the other texts and vice versa 
Oh yeah, and there was even cases of, of pages being like violently ripped out, um, and one of the copies um, ended up being um, they guessed that it got thrown into a fire, and somebody ended up saving it. So you oh, have all these, yeah, yeah, these various main, and I really get into the source of and the correlation of the different texts from the standpoint that I've studied illuminated manuscripts. Um, and, and, you know, um, basically, um, spent several years, you know, going in and actually, um, uh, putting on the white gloves and handling these things. And, and so it's, it's quite interesting just to see how the book itself, um, came together over the course of the many years, you know, it sounds as well, mate. So, right. There's, right. so there's one link step to, for Mark, was there a book three, yeah, now the other two books, um, book three, they call book V or book five um, or book six, if you get into the Hebrew, but they call it book V. Um, and it measures 11.8 by eight inches um, with 51 to 55 lines per. Um, and it's it's got this one, book V has heavy over rewriting. Um, and it's from three different um, types of of, tech, of of vellum that were woven together. Um, so that one's quite interesting. Would um, that be like uh, a sort of similar to a tapestry? Well, more that they would, because basically what they would do is um, for these vellums that they would write these sacred texts on, um, a lot of times they were actually taking... Um, either a sheep or a goat from the womb and they would take that it's the idea of um you know the innocence of of what they're writing on right um so right, right. they they would basically take the 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 you know um the fetus out and slaughter the fetus and then you know turn the skin into the pages of the books so then as far as weaving together they would actually take those pages once they were written and sew them together, almost like turning it into a book. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now then the, the final one, book four um, is 11.4 by 8.25 inches, and it consists of 16 folios. But on top of those four books, there's also... Sorry, sorry, mate. What's the fourth one called again? The fourth one is called Book E, as in Edward. So, but now on top of those four books, um, there's also several fragments that they found. Um, fragment D, um, fragment R, fragment um, P, um, and then there's two other fragments, M and H. And, you know, they found some of those fragments in the 1400s. Um, those last two fragments, M and H, they actually found in 1252. So, and do, it's, do, do they state what the actual fragments are fragments from or, or what that's the from? Basically, it would be a fragment of um, a, like a piece of vellum, a piece of that animal skin with the writing on it. And basically in some, you know, tomb or some miscellaneous, you know, holy place, um, they would basically, 
you know, uh, find it. And then they, when they translated the text, they would find that it fell into um, the category of what the Book of Invasions was. Right. Right. So, but it was uh, fragment D, um, which was exposed to burning. Um, and let's see, it has 42 folios with a scribe's name um, called Mirigurius. And he was around in 1517. So, yeah. Oh, now, <laughs> right, right. So basically, you know, this, this, te these miscellaneous um, um, manuscripts um, that are on vellum um, from the evolution of Ireland itself, um, these had kind of been you know, taken in um, archaeologically and found and like put together. And, and finally, it was uh, in 1724 um, that the first facsimile of all or the first printing of all these books came together as a single um, history. And then from that point, you start to have scholars picking it apart. You start to have theologians like um, doing interpretations based upon um, Christian philosophy. Um, yeah. You start to have, uh, you know, all these different um, ideas kind of pushing and pulling. And this slowly turns this into a piece of Irish history, basically. Um, and they call it the Book of Lacan, right? And let's see. Uh, the book, yeah, the Book of L-E-C-A-N. And it was published um, in the catalog of the Royal Irish Academy Collection of Manuscripts in 1724. And at that time, it was 47 leaves, and it was 7.8 inches by 5.8 inches. And a lot of what we get in our current, uh, if you, you know, like if you buy this um, from a bookseller anywhere, yeah. um, most of what you're going to get is from this um, uh, this 17, uh, it was actually the 1728 version is what you get mostly now. Um, so we're, we're looking at probably, you know, um, third edition, fourth edition, something like that. Right. So now, um, let's see. Now in the book. Sorry, um, Robert, just, just sorry, yeah, before yeah, you yeah. carry on, yeah. Robert, uh, roughly, uh, how much would it, would it cost, do you think, a bookshop for that, for the 1728 version? Just out of curiosity. Oh, a couple thousand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow, I've man. got, as far as books, you know, I've got, uh, I have an 1818 book on Greek, um, Greek history. Um, I have an 18, nice, yeah, I have an 1828 um two volumes set on the the life of napoleon that i just picked up down in newport rhode island um so you know i've got some old books but man once you start getting into the 1700s and you start getting into you know um the and especially being that you got to realize that this is looked at as a sacred text by a lot of people you know because it directly relates to um biblical yes. Yeah, biblical reflection 
and and the stories you know coming straight it's some people look at it as an extension of biblical tale you know well, do you know when i started reading it i didn't realize that it actually had uh, such a connection to uh, religion yeah well and see the thing was when i read this 20 years ago um i didn't have the perspective to understand what it was and you know and i went through it and it was just like you know that's the whole thing at a certain point once you have enough context and you can start piecing these pieces together um you start to get but you know 20 years ago and that's why i think it's important um as you go through life you know to to revisit these things so i was i was very happy to go back and dig into this man oh nice mate nice uh It's since since I started reading it, Robert. Uh, it's like because I've like previously covered uh, the Fomorians and the Tuatha uh, dating out with um, Gary right. Wayne. Um, yeah. For me to actually look into it, um, um, with you looking into it, um, it takes it onto uh, a deeper level. If you know what I mean. Um, I, I, ho I hope I can kind of spill some of the the information I've accumulated in a in a positive way, you know? Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. It's fascinating. Um, it really is fascinating. And what, oh, what yeah. I paid for the book, Robert, it was buttons and, um, you know, yeah, I made I mean, up with it. You know, I mean, you can, you can pick up a, you know, a very reasonably priced paperback copy of this. You know, yeah. it's it's readily available, um, you know, on a books or, you know, Amazon or, you know, um, I bet you if you even contact your local bookseller, they could probably get you a copy, you know, Robert, about four pound this. Yeah. Yeah. Four pounds. It's like it buttons me and, um, and it is fascinating. I highly recommend getting it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was a good read. If you're into this subject matter, you know. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So now the history of Gadel, who are the sons of Israel, and um, many comparisons are made with the Old Testament in this book. And, and what's really interesting here, and it kind of leads to me thinking this may have been used as a certain kind of propaganda. Um, in the past is that it makes Ireland out as being the people of Cana or the Canaanites that basically Canaan. left yep, after the Tower of Babel, right? So, you know, it, if now imagine if you're a Christian nation and, um, you know, like the Church of England and um, Ireland um, as far as you look at the long-term um, plan of decimation of the Irish people um, that was carried out, um, if you were to take this text and say, well, look, these are the people of, of, of Cana. These are the Canaanites, you know, um, that basically were the ones doing the ancient mystery schools and were cursed by Noah and, you know, um, so it would be easy um, with that mindset to see these people as the other. 
um, and, and, you know, um, hold prejudice against them because of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And there's so many possibilities in it. And, and, and like whichever direction you, you uh, lean towards, they're as equally as fascinating as, as one another, I would say. Right. right. That's um, what makes it so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like we said, this is generally from around the seventh century. Um, and it has the, um, creation and dispersal of the nations. Um, and, and so it basically begins with the creation, um, very much like Genesis, um, and, and walks through Adam and Eve in the garden and, and, you know, the whole, um, let's see, it says in the beginning, God made heaven and earth. And he gave Balafre of heaven to of the Balafre of heaven to Lucifer and of earth to Adam. And Lucifer sinned and was cast into hell. So, you know, right away we're already very biblical, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but it, it's also interesting that he divide that the book divides it up, that the Balfre of heaven um, was given to Lucifer. And if we look at the Bible, it talks about, you know, the Lord of the air, um, Lord of the air. right, being as Lucifer. Um, yeah. and, and then it gives um, the earth to Adam. And because Lucifer had sinned, um, he was cast into hell. And um, it goes into Adam and Eve and the flood of Noah. Um, let's see, here's a quote. It says, the flood drowned the whole seed of Adam, except Noah and his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japhet. Shem settled Asia, Ham, Africa, and Japhet in Europe. And we, Gadiel, are descended from Japhet. It's, uh... Now, this was generally... Um, <laughs> Right, right. So um, the similarities, like yeah. Oh yeah, the similar. It's it's direct parallels using the same names, um, which is why a lot of people think that this is um, a sacred text that should be included in the biblical canon. You know. Um, point now, there, mate. This was huge point. Yeah, yeah. This was generally written before the Old Testament was known in Ireland. And, really? Um, yep. But now some of the fragments um, that were found later um, in the 1500s, um, those peoples did have access to the Septuagint, which would be the Greek translations. You know. Right. Uh, I've heard that mentioned quite a lot. Septuagint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now we talked about those mutilations within the texts, um, verses yeah. that were missing. Um, pages that were in that's the other thing um, and and we find this in the the King James Bible as well is um, the stories in the Bible are not in order um, so you're not necessarily necessarily looking at the true direction of what the story is you think um, that that's being um, done that way deliberately yeah I think so and it's very much like this um, they took pages and and moved them around to put the story into disorder um right. 
you know and i and <laughs> crazy I think, you think about it <laughs> yeah what that does is is for those that are not initiated and that that are you know really kind of clueless as to what um is being talked about if you put things out of order it's hard to to understand oh, man, i couldn't whole. imagine you should be ahead of like that <laughs> right right um now here's here's one of the things i really found interesting um is the uh the whole cain and abel aspect um within this right um and it directly again directly uses the name cain and abel um and adam and eve um but cain um kills abel with the shaft of a camel bone and and it kind of varies because in one story we have a camel bone one story we have the shaft of a camel bone um one story we have a cheekbone um so it may have been a camel jaw it may have been the shank of a bone but nonetheless it says that cain killed abel with a camel bone and is that something that's uh, mentioned in, in any other text no no that's not mm, that's now, now there here's the other thing there were no camels in ireland Oh, oh I, I, you know what I'm saying? That, that, that's a certain that, mate. I don't think the, the weather's not, it's not camel weather over here. Right, right. But um, I don't think it would have been then either. And well, and so the no. th and it gets into, we're going to get into it here in just a minute, um, but we'll work up to it. Um, but how this text actually came um, to Ireland um, from Mesopotamia. Um, and, and when these people migrated, you know, um, and it's very much like how we talked about in the past, how I found that point where Saturn had fled after the fall of the Tower of Babel, which I think was Nimrod the Elder. Um, and yeah, the basically, elder. yep. And this was at the fall of Troy. He shows up and this is um, um, who was it? The author. Oh. Uh, Virgil it was Virgil um, but yeah but he basically talks about Saturn showing up at the fall of Troy and um it was um Inanna as the dove um she basically tells Saturn not here she's like go go to Italy you can set up in Italy right um so you know and Saturnus um is you know he basically becomes Latinus who is the hidden one which becomes the foundation yeah, the foundation and the forge of the Latin or the hidden one as the language, the Latin or the Latin language, right? Yeah. And and so with this, we're seeing um, it coming into Ireland and bringing um, the Gaelic, um, I believe, um, as far as the, you know, because when we get to the Tower of Babel, essentially, that was when all the languages were broken up and all these people were dispersed to the different regions right so right. so yeah so um this is one of those disbursement stories is what this book right. of invasions is you know yeah like at different stages um, right right well just yeah. one of the people's stories um that dispersed after this um this you know story of the fall of the tower of babel yeah Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, it really is interesting, like linking out the Tower of Babel's mentioned in it. <laughs> yeah, 
Now I'm probably gonna mess some of these names up here, but it it says so Magog were these people as far as the the people that carried this book, right? Which is why when you look at the apocalyptic stories as far as the battle of Gog and Magog, you know. Um, I was just gonna mention that. Um, that yeah, Magog, there's a link Magog. Um, right. In England, well, uh, it was called Al Albion then, actually. Okay. Uh, I, I've heard of the Albion. Yeah, it's interesting. It really is. I'll, I'll, some of these names, mate. Um, right, right. It's not. I don't believe the coincidence. Uh, you know, do you think that they are actually the same individual or entity? Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to think about, man. Um, yeah. But we see evidence over and over of these stories of the migrations of certain yeah. groups of people and you know and they tell us in their own stories that you know they came from these biblical lands you know, yeah. and directly tie in with these biblical stories and these biblical characters you know so it's it's you know um you, you would think that I don't know you know some people postulate that you know but it's just interesting um that you see it over and over and over again with consistency yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah um so brilliantly close mm. um that's what makes it all like you said it makes fascination um do its job and that yeah. is um that's what it's all about rather yeah so now um in poem three, um, line 10, um, it tells us Magog, son of Iapheth, of his progeny are the peoples who came to Ireland before the Gadael. Um, that Gadael reminds me of Tolkien's Gadriel, you know. Um, yeah, it's very close. Very yeah. close. And to wit, Parthalion, Sierra, Suru, Esur, Bimbend, Atiek, Mekgog, Ayafeth, and Nimed. The progeny of Nimed, which we, which I think is Nimrod. Um, That's what I was just going to say. A slight yeah. right. change in the name, right. Robert. Right. Uh, fucking remarkable, mate. Right. So, and and we know that. Uh, at the fall of the Tower of Babel, that Nimrod, you know, the younger, um, well, basically it was young Ninus was reborn as Nimrod, and he became the powerful one that ruled over all of Shinar. Um, but nonetheless, he's the one that divided up the languages at the Tower of Babel. Um, and right. some say 70, some say 72. Um, the Ugaric says, uh, I think it's 88. There's, there's a few different um dispersals but the general number is right around 70 or 72 um generally having to do with the turning of the ages and the one degree of the turning of the ages when you get to 72 you know as far as degrees um but nonetheless um so this uh the progeny of nemed the galeon fur domnan fur blog and the so basically you have these different um these different tribes almost 
that were yeah. that yeah. saying were the progeny of Nemed or Nimrod. And um, at one point it mentions that there is no end to man's souls as far as the um, transmigration and the ever-living philosophy of the soul. So we're already seeing that back, you know, in this text. Um, coming out of, Zor you know, the Zoroastrianism and the yeah, evolving, yeah. you know, Judaic and miscellaneous philosophies as they spread. Um, now in poem four, um, it talks about after Lucifer is sent to hell. Um, poem four, line four. Um, it says, thereafter, Lucifer had envy against Adam, for he was assured that this would be given him as a reward to fill heaven in his room. So basically, we're talking about uh, the idea that Lucifer um, had envy against Adam. This is the right. old story that the angels will not bow, bow down to man because, you know, we were made more superior in the fact that we could transmigrate the souls. So we have the same story here that's given, you know, as the reward of the fill of heaven in his room, you know. Let's see. And um, it has the Noah story, um, which also, again, has the, uh, the story of the crow and the dove as far as sending the crow out. Um, with the ark and everything it's got the ark and everything in it man yeah yep so, which is which back to why a lot of people think this should be included in the biblical canon you know um let's see but but it's basically the story of the line of Japhet coming to ireland um right. the gadiel um glass offspring um now so gadiel from Japhet, one of i guess it was one of Japhet's children gadiel um had um Glaeus, um and his offspring were 18. um 18. and then yep so they've got 18 from uh so basically the grandsons of Japhet were 18 right. and it was these 18 grandchildren that were the ones that migrated into Ireland, right? Um, and then it also talks about the, uh, the uh, Reafaith Scot, who are the Scots. And, yep, and it, and it talks about how they brought the Scotty language from the tower. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Right? Right? And it, um, let's see, for he, okay, so it says, for he was one of the six principal chieftains who were the built, who were building the tower of Nimrod, right? So, yeah, meaning is that well, Tower of Babel, right? Right. So, Rayef Scott, um, who was the founder of the, the Scottish lands, was one of the six principal chieftains. Who were in charge of building the Tower of Babel under Nimrod? It tells us, you know, which is really interesting in regard to my my previous research. You know, yes, mate. Um, does it? What uh, from you uh, rereading this book, Robert? Yeah. As it, um, did you have any? 
idea on where you thought Tower of Babel was? And would has this yeah. book uh, changed that perspective yeah, that, that you've previously had? That is an interesting um, idea because, you know, some people will relate the Tower of Babel to um, the Great Pyramid in Egypt. Um, some some relate it to an actual Babylonian um, tower, um, but in Babylon it was mostly um, the goddess who was responsible for the the building of the towers and the encircling the the walled cities. You know, right. um, so it's yeah, it is interesting to think about. You know, and and you know, you have such a disbursement also of this tale of what, you know, is the Tower of Babel, you know, um, it's, yeah, it's definitely interesting to think um, about where it could have possibly been, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it, it you know, same, same kind of thing with the labyrinth, you know, as, as widespread as the labyrinths were, you know, um, yeah. it's, it's, it's a very similar phenomena, um, and, and in a lot of cases, we're kind of, really just looking through the mists of time man, and history. And, you know, some people say this is all allegory um, as far as just stories to teach a lesson. Um, but at the same time, man, um, it's just in, like, um, and how it says, uh, you know, that, that name for Nimrod, you know, um, what was it? Uh, Nimrod, uh, spelled N-E-M-R-O-D. And well, and I also have in one of the in uh, poem three, line ten, it's spelled M E uh, N E M E D, Nemed. You know, which poem was that, mate? That's Again, poem, yeah, that's poem three, line ten on that one. I think I've got that, mate. Nice one, yeah. Um, but but it's you know, Nimrod had many names, um, throughout Mesopotamia. Um, in in more African regions, he was Nebu. Um, Nebu. If you put, yeah, Nebu. Um, if you go down into Crete, um, he was King Minos. So you know, it's King and Minos. yeah, and we have even in Persia, um, in that region, um, we have um, some some carvings and walls of King Nimrod um, wearing the Phrygian hat. Um, and and holding up like a tiger, very much like Hercules, you know. So it, I mean, the disbursement of the character of Nimrod. Um, I mean, even in the Bible, you know, it says he ruled over all of Mesopotamia, you know, um, and lists all the. You know, and I think it's in the um, the documents from Crete um, that that it actually tells us that he uh, rules over the seven seas um, and the six lands. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, he was everywhere, man. Nimrod, and you got to figure they had, <laughs> they had boats and troops. And, I mean, he, it, was, it was a military, you know, he was running basically, you know, a military organization that was basically conquering lands, um, crucifying uh, kings live. Yeah. Um, you know, just it, it was uh, some of the just different. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely, man. You know, um, he was basically the first. He it was said that he was the first to ride against his neighbor for plunder. You know, really, 
Yeah, yeah. And another thing what doesn't surprise you, mate, is um he's the reputation he's got is uh <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah, he's the he's the first uh the first uh <laughs> yeah man for sure, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um so let's see uh now um let's see okay so as, as in regard to uh rea faith scott as far as one of the uh, six principal chieftains who were the you know builders of the the tower of nimrod um nell son of phineas Sparsed, whom pharaoh Cenerus, king of egypt invited for his greatness of his skill, his knowledge, and his learning. And Pharaoh granted him an estate. And his daughter, Skota, yeah, grant the, the Pharaoh of Egypt granted um, him an estate. And his daughter, Skota, her name was bestowed. Now, later in other texts, we see that this queen, Skota, um, ends up having to flee Egypt. Now this is out, but this is the origin of um, the the estate of uh, Queen Scota. Um, before she had to flee and go to Scotland, um, and became basically the foundation of the name of the island itself, Scota right. or, or Scotland. Um, what, what, what was you saying? She got thrown out of Egypt. Does it say why, mate? Oh, yeah, I think there was a change why. in. I, well, I think that what happened was there was a change um, as far as uh, if Power I remember, structure. Yeah, as far as the religious yeah. structure structure of the land, and I think that they were trying to get rid of the monotheism of the time, um, and basically breaking that down. Um, she went against this, or her her clan went against the system and had to end up fleeing. And, you know, and we do, see, you know, if you look at uh, some of the miscellaneous pharaohs, we see, you know, them with red hair, you know, and and we're going to get into the whole idea of the Western lands here in a minute. Um, but, yeah, basically this queen had to flee. Um, and let's see. Uh, now within the and I'm jumping kind of because initially I went through all the poems and then I went and went through the the facsimile text of them combined right um, so but back to the creation mythos man um, let's see so it says uh, this is this is really interesting because this is where we get the origin of of uh, the Elohim giving Adam. <laughs> Yeah, giving Adam his name. So this is the origin of the name of Adam, basically. Right, right. Um, so it says, when man was made and he, and as he had no name, God said to four angels, go and search of a name for him. And Michael went to the east and saw a star and a tall, its name, and he brought it with him first letter of that name right and then it says Raphael went south Wero, and he saw star there duist its name and he brought it forth its letter and then Ga Gabriel went northward and saw a star called Arctos and brought him 
the first letter of its name. And then Uriel went westward and saw a star in the sunset called Mesembria and brought with him the first letter. And God said to Uriel, read these letters. And Uriel said, Adam. And God said, so let it be. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yes, it's very interesting, that mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the lens. It's a good description, rather than just Aaron. Um, right. That's well, that, um, a, a different lay to his name now, just whenever, whenever thought. <laughs> right, right. So, well, and it also gets into, uh, when you get into the idea of magical thinking, and going back into, um, you know, from the Native Americans to um, just just all the ancient cultures, um, they had a tradition of calling out the directions as far as the north, the south, the east and the west. And, and you know, in in the early, some of the early, you know, texts, um, rabbinical texts, they talk about how the four directions was, you know, where they set up the watchtowers, you know, from keeping the uh, the spirit of Corazon from entering and, and interceding with, you know, the humans. Um, so this idea of of the four directions and, and it's it's you know, brings it right back to the idea that that we are the center, uh, you know, the man on the cross, you know. So, you know, I, I, I understand um, in a way that they would be so, uh, so fixated on, on the, the directions because you know, could you imagine trying to get about back then? <laughs> and you didn't know, like, north, south, and east, and west. You'd just be... <laughs> it would be... Uh, especially with, as well with the, with the other tribes, if, you know, on that land. <laughs> and they're all after killing you. No, that's... <laughs> Robbie? Robbie, can you hear me, mate? Robert, uh, I, I'm not getting anything from you, mate. You, you've probably not got it on, but showing your mic is uh, turned off. Does that work, mate? Uh, if you'd like, if you just tap your screen, it'll some, uh, you'll have some options at the bottom corner. Click on the three dots, it'll, another box will pop up, and you can adjust your, your sound uh, in and out uh, maybe that'll work mate if you have a look at that but I, I'm not hearing anything from you um, explanation uh, we've just been had off on Skype <laughs> yeah and then let me know oh. where we were and I can start yeah, mate. Um, just for everybody, there will be a slight. Uh, it might sound like we've actually cut something out of um, today's episode, but we've not. Uh, we've just been well. Robbie's just been out off, and Skype's kicked him off. Um, so anyway, we're back now, and Robbie. All right, where, where were we? <laughs> he was. Uh, 
I was actually in the directions north, south, east, and west. Yes. Now, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were just talking about how basically you see peoples throughout the world that use this idea um, of calling out the directions. Um, and I said something about the, you know, the four watchtowers, and you know, to basically oh. ward off the spirit of Corazon. Um, but but what it really tells us is that um, that the human um, character itself um, potentially is it's the idea of being made up of the four directions or the four elements and that we are, you know, the fifth element itself or the man on the cross, you know? Um, yeah. So um, let's see. Now, um, where were we? Oh yeah, so we were getting into um, the Adam and Eve story. As far as let me check my notes here. Okay, yeah. So um, now um, Eve from Adam's rib. Um, the parts were written over. Um, the original was lost. Um, when eating the fruit in the garden, um, the text it reads. And the woman took of the fruit of the tree to herself, and she did eat, and gave to her husband, and he did eat. And the eyes of the mind of the understanding of these twain were opened to the knowledge and perception of sin that they had not committed until that hour. So I thought that was pretty interesting, you know. Just as far as the phrasing of of what happened when they ate the fruit, you know. Yeah, it's uh, again, uh, Robbie, linking it to um, other texts, other writings is. Um, yeah. It's it's just so interesting on how how they've managed to get there. Well, you know, and again, it's it's the idea of the migrations of these peoples, you know. I mean, at some point, there's been um, that meeting of two people that were probably um, very knowledgeable, and mm. they've exchanged um, mm. stories, and that's just. A theory, I mean, you know, I, you know, I don't know if true that yeah, is, yeah. or if it even is true. It's just, uh, it's just, I think, with, with how things are. Mm. Um, now, we've, also, all got, we've all got a choice, haven't we? Is this right. what John says? Is it could go in any direction, really, whatever way yeah. you look at it. Yeah. Um, now, I found it interesting also that when it talks about the character of Cain. Um, that it relates the word possession to his name, or um, Kayaneti. Um, and it says that I have acquired a man through God. So it's it's almost like uh, the intercession of the serpent, um, and and you know the idea of Cain, um, you know, being that serpent line. Um, it, yeah, it's just it's interesting. You know, and and it also calls Cain a husbandman, being the tiller of the, the land. 
husbandman. Yeah, a husbandman, which um, is very much what the Bible calls um, Adam. Adam is the first husband or tiller of the land, you know. Um, and and then that's well, if you know, we we have the whole idea that um, between Cain and Abel, um, it was Abel that brought the first as far as the the younglings of the the flock for a blood sacrifice right and right. then when, when cain being as as he's called a husbandman being a tiller of the land um he brings forth the you know the the prime of the crops you know right. and and basically god accepted um abel's offering being the blood and then refused Cain's offering being the the um, vegetable or the the you know grown earth matter, um, which this is where a lot of people um, start to believe the idea of um, you know vegetarianism kind of came into being, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and and <laughs> if you need uh, there's a text by Lord Byron. Um, where Lord, he Lord, the Lord Byron, the Lord Byron, yeah, the yeah. Lord Byron, and it's an excellent book, man. I mean, if you want to read something super spicy, this is a really good book. Um, but it's called uh, Lucifer by Lord Byron, or no, it's not, it's called Cain, it's called Cain. I'm sorry, it's called Cain, yeah. But basically, um, Lord Byron goes into talking about how Cain was a vegetarian and, um, you know, that this was a superior philosophy. Um, and basically, Lord Byron puts a lot of stock into um, the line of Cain. And um, it's it's considered to be a uh, Luciferian um, text. That's why I said Lucifer earlier. Would he, um, do you think that uh, Byron um, worships Cain to some sort of extent? I think that a lot of these bloodline families, um, not, you know, not probably worship the line of Cain um, because this this is seen as the dragon line, um, yeah. you know, and it's the and back to that idea of relating back to the giants and the Nephilim and and the oh, bloodlines as far as the you know they they directly relate this to um, the intercession of this this uh higher um angelic force essentially yeah. or this well a fallen angelic force you know yeah. it's the whole uh, idea yeah. of uh when the spirit of apollo is locked in the bottomless pit you know and he basically says it's better to you know rule in hell than to serve in heaven so it and and it's just yeah but lord byron man if yeah if you want to read a really a really good spicy book man um read Kane by lord byron that's i saw mate yeah um but let's see uh now it said also that the mark of Cain in in now we're back to the book of invasions um the mark of Cain, right is a lump on his forehead a lump on each of his cheeks a lump on each foot and hand and beardless as a fugitive so it was a, a lumpy motherfucker yeah 
And and man, I think if you when you see a lot of these demonic characters and people that are dressing up as demons, um, and how they accent like the cheekbones, and they'll sometimes put a single or two bumps on the on the forehead, um, you know. But those those accentuated um, cheekbones that you see in a lot of uh, demonic kind of representations. It's awesome, Robin. Right. Yeah. We, we, with this now, I'm on, and I've only thinking about this since you've just mentioned like demonic. You know the way you've just um, explained that. Then is <laughs> there are um, people? I get some pictures up to show you. Um, you know mm. when when I finish, and it's actually modifications what they're having done. On exactly, the, uh, exactly. I've seen there's like a, a the vampire of some there's some woman from South America. I've seen, a, I've seen a I've seen a few not I don't know about her particularly, but oh. I've seen seen quite a number of people yeah, with the lumps and, and that and oh, uh, yeah man. the insertions under the skin and yeah. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> not my bag like but you yeah. know it looks no, it know. looks so fucking right they look incredible yeah. some of them. Um and well, and then that's the other thing as far as the um, and beardless as a fugitive, right? Um, it also entailed that Adam was born with a beard. So when he was born, born with he a beard, already had a beard, man. <laughs> and um, when, that was very confusing to see, right? Right, right, you know, right, right out the womb, man, you know. Um, some people say he's got a full head of hair, but this kid's got a beard. Um, <laughs> Um, and and it also said that Abel, when he when he was slain by Cain, that he died as a beardless youth. So, sorry, I'm not laughing at the death. <laughs> no, I know, I know, no, no, no. Um, wow, man. Uh, who knows? You know, Robert. Who knows? You know. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 mentions are like almost. Uh, some sort of like supernatural or have supernatural powers yeah you know? well, it's, it's very much like you see in some of the hebrew texts you know that like when joseph was born he was born already circumcised same thing with abraham he was born already circumcised you know and they they said that this was being born as a perfect man you know um but different you know it's different texts have different qualities um and you almost have to think it like culturally relates to some sort of a phenomenon that they experience within their own time you know yeah yeah something yeah. like that um so now um in the line of lamech um it you know it basically coming down from cain um tubal cain was said to be the first yeah was said to be the first smith and the first carpenter so I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the last two, is it, am I right to uh, that there's two two arcades? Um, one, well, there's Cain. Yeah, the now there's Cain, and then there's Tubal Cain, um, which was the Tubal Cain was the daughter of Zilla, um, and basically uh, they were um, in, as far as the when you go back into the Hebrew writings. Um, there's uh, Jubal, Jubel, um, and Tubal Cain. 
Um, so there's basically, and they were responsible for the the early propagation of um, the early web. They think that a lot of people relate Tubal-Cain to the invention of the sword as far as a weapon of, of war. It's a um, right, right. Being the two balls as far as the handguard and then the cane being the sword itself, you know. Um, but then at the same time, um, he was propagating the inventions of Zilla, um, who had, you know, come up with, I think, some of the first, like, drums, maybe like uh, like steel-pounded um, drum um, basses that they would, like, basically wrap with, like, a goat head. Um, and, as you know, and possibly as well as some sort of a um, stringed instrument as well, you know. Um, well, like uh, a form of maybe a guitar or something, or yeah, like an early, um, almost like uh, Hermes, with his, yeah, with his harp, you know, some sort of yeah, harp, yeah, yeah. Um, but it gets, and then the other thing, it gets into the years that these different characters lived. Um, and as I was going through it, I was kind, and this is something that I've heard other people talk about and something that I've kind of taken into account when you look at the number of years that these different characters have lived, right? Because um, oh. Enoch, yeah, Enoch was said to live 905 years, right? Um, Canaan was said to live 910 years. Um, Methuselah was said to live nine, 910. Yeah, 949. Methuselah was the oldest human ever, you know, within the records. Um, and and uh, living 949 years, um, and then yeah. and Lamech, um, yeah, Lamech lived 777 years, and part of that was before the flood, and part of that was after the flood. Um, but now, if you take all those years, dude, right? Hey, he's our guy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nothing taking um, him down. Yeah. The right. Um, but now if you take, okay, so Enoch lived 905 years. If you take that and you divide that by the 13 moons, right? Um, that gives you 69 years, which is about an average human lifespan, you know? Um, then Canaan, 910 years is 70 years. If you divide that by the 13 lunar cycles, um, Methuselah at 949 years, if you divide that by 13, gives you 73 years. And then Lamech at 777 gives you 59 years. So those are all really kind of average lifespans of humans, you know. So they may have been looking at moon cycles potentially as years. And a lot of people think this about the um, early Sumerian time cycles as well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> it will be so confusing, <laughs> Right. If we suddenly have to change everything, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. So, man, I'm um 51 now, and if I times that by 13, that means in you know moon cycles, I'm 663. You know, oh, so that it's it's a possibility. I'm just saying it's a, something we could we should consider. When when looking at these, you well, know, rather it is uh, it just adds another layer, doesn't it? So it's, it's even more fascination, 
Right. Well, and you know, we know that that these characters consistently like to play with the ideas of what time is, you know. So so if they're overlaying calendars over one another and you know, I mean, it, it's, you know, it, we kind of have to really um, look at all these different angles as possibilities, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I, uh, I love it. Right, right. <laughs> I love it, mate. And so now it, it gets into the um, Sethites marrying Cain's offspring. Um, it goes through the flood. It said now in it, the character of Noah, they call him No N O E, and they say that he was the only righteous man God found, you know, just like in the Bible. Um, yeah. And it has the story of No getting drunk and cursing Ham. Um, not now in in the story in this story though, he curses Ham. He doesn't curse the Canaanites. He doesn't curse the offspring of Ham. Um, so and this was um the first curse and it said that it, it led to um dwarfs and people with horse heads and all deformities so like uh, like minotaurs and those kind yeah, of creations minot yeah yeah basically and and i think that when you look at king minos in crete um you know and the character of the um the bull in the the minotaur in the labyrinth that was eating the children um you know we see here that that's you know bullhead human body um and and nimrod or nemed or nimrod um was known for um the bull horns and the high priestess um inanna ishtar um would actually wear a decapitated bull head as an edifice over her head you know, during ceremony. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, believable. Very, very yeah. believable. Uh, so, let's see. Hey, oh, um, wow. And it gets into the making of the bricks, the building of the tower. Um, it relates the word Babel to equaling confusion. Um, and that, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And now then at the Tower of Babel in the in the Book of Invasions, um, it divides the world um in amongst three sons. And so it's funny how we're basically taking um the children of Noah. And like I, you know, like I try to, this is something I get into in the book is that there's two Nimrods. There's Nimrod the Elder and Nimrod the Younger. And Nimrod the Elder was the one that took the religion from Ethiopia and brought it into Egypt and basically set up the worship of the gods in Egypt. Um, but he was also essentially um, Thoth or, or Hermes Trismegistus um, later down the road. Um, but nonetheless, that's the elder Nimrod. And then when he um, basic, when the tower falls, when God's hand comes down and brings down the tower, that's when Nimrod, the, you know, I've found in a couple places that he died, that he was struck down by lightning, uh, much like Zoroaster. But I've also found that he fled and ended up in Italy as, you know, Latinus or, you know, the Latin language. But, and, and again, that's bringing 
the Latin language to Italy after the fall of Babel, just like this entails bringing, you know, and here, here, I'm going to get into it right here. So it says, um, the, the, the world was divided amongst the three sons, Sem, S-E-M, Ham, and Iafet or Japhet. Um, and with those three sons, it was divided into 72 languages, right? And it says, so it says, so this is a direct quote now. It says, so that in the end of 10 years after that, Phineas Farsad extracted the speech of Gadriel out of the 72 languages and set forth to his fosterling, the son of Agnomane Gadriel. So basically, here we see that that um, Phineas Farsad is is taking the language of Gadrel, being one of these seventy two languages from the the fall of the Tower of Babel, um, and bringing it to Ireland, right? Yeah, yeah. And it says that Sim or Shem fathered twenty seven nations in Middle Asia, and Ham thirty. Um, nations in Africa and South Asia, and Iafet or Japhet, 15 nations in Asia and all of Europe. And these 15 nations um, would be the Scythians and the Greeks, like we were talking about. Yes, as as, yes, you know, right. how it, and it goes in, and in the, in the book itself, it goes into a long genealogy of you know, all of these families and to which nations they were sent and yeah. you know yeah yeah um, i was i was going to ask you the um the scythian uh, connection or yeah. if there was one but this is oh, yeah. a huge connection mate huge connection um, i mean i mean i'm like um i'm up to in the book p104 mm, um, nice. and that is um you know, just 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 getting to just past like the Fomorians um, yeah. and the battles and yep, probably I've uh, I've made up I made up with it. Yeah, it's it's beyond it's, fascinating, uh, right? Um, let's see. So now it says uh, Magog, and that's that's where we get into this idea that you know the Battle of Gog and Magog, and yeah, how yeah. this could potentially be used as. Um, propaganda to demean the Irish people, um, basically, you know, relating them to the Canaanites. Um, but Magog of his progeny are the peoples who came into Ireland before the Gadael. And it says also the children of Nemed, the Galeon, and the Furbog, and Fur Domain, and the Tetu Didanon, you know. And it says, and it says here also how we were talking about Zilla and Tubal Cain. It says that No or Noah was actually the first to sound the harp and the organ after the flood. So you know, even before the Jubelum and Jubal um, story in the Bible, you know, this basically tells us that it was No or Noah who brought with them the harp and the organ you know, from the old world, you know, basically pre-flood um, Atlantis, you know. It's, uh, 
it's incredible probably right yeah. right and and it also relates the now here's where we get back to um um getting into the idea of the western lands and the egyptians um and being you know paradise almost the story of paradise you know um because when you get into the ideas of paradise um parad so it says paradise hath no noxious beast uh, now this is in the uh the notes that went along um, from one of the miscellaneous scholars that was looking at the book but um he noted that paradise hath no noxious beast so the ire so the learned testify that ireland hath no serpent lion toad injurious rat dragon scorpion nor any hurtful beast save only the wolf save only the wolf right so basically they're saying that um ireland um is called the the island of the west right and so this was the western lands of the egyptians um where these red-headed pharaohs you know came in and that we have this direct link you know direct linked into um the the estate of queen scota you know and then having to flee back to scotland um so but yeah the the uh the 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 island of the west right they called um hyperborock which is very much um in line with hyperborea or you know um I'll, any of those. I was spelling hyperborock right please yeah they spell it h y b e r o c h h y we say b b b e h y b e yeah. r o c r o c yep Excellent. Thank you. Right. And in Greek, they called it um, Akesum. And in, in Scotland, they called it as Hibernia. Uh, there is a place in Scotland called Hibernia. Yeah. Right. right. And also in Ireland, you have on the west coast over there by Westport, um, you have the Hibernian Mountains as well. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so we can see um, these Hyperborean or these, these uh, descendants of the offspring of the Nephilim, of the Tutu, the Tatu Dinana. Um, basically, we can see you know, um, it's kind of like when you get into the stories of the Scythians and watching them migrate down into Mesopotamia and over to India, yeah. you know, um, very much here. Now we're seeing the stories of of these miscellaneous sons of Noah or Noah that are that are, you know, migrating after the fall of the Tower of Babel, um, after the confusion of tongues and basically taking these new languages and and distributing them and assimilating them into these different regions um so that um and you almost have to wonder was that you know because it, you know in the bible it says you know it, when when we can come together as different nations with our imagination that we have that we can rise to any height and that we basically in the bible it says that we need to be stopped from doing that 
So basically, that was the reason for the confusion of tongues. You know, they just they needed to stop it. What, what, what do you think was the the uh, the meaning for that? For the confusion of tongues? No, but for, from stopping it. Do you think it was like a deliberate act? Yeah, well, so the Tower of Babel itself, you figure, um, from what I have deduced, um, these entities being the fallen, um, the offspring of the fallen ones, right? Yeah. And and their genetics are degrading. And, the, you know, when you look at the stories of the origin of, um, sometimes they're called the jinns, sometimes it's the demons. Um, but basically, um, when these higher astral forces mated with the women of the earth, um, I think that the offspring, the vessel that they created, um, was at such a, such a resonant tone that it allowed for some of these um, more long-found astral entities that were like the building blocks of time and space to basically enter into human form. And these were the men of renown or the men of old or the giants yeah. of the days of old, the right? Giants, yeah. yeah, and basically when those giants would die, um, they, their souls would be trapped in the three-dimensional matrix. They couldn't go back to where they were. They had to basically hang out in the 3D dimension of matter until the end of time space, right? So they became, yeah, they became vengeful on the earth and spiteful against the humans and that's why you know whenever you can that's why the bible says not to communicate with these entities because they're deceitful and they'll lie and they're spiteful and they they basically want to um to you know, from, yeah, possess, well, yeah but even further than that man when you look at the initial fall when when they came down on mount hermon they were they were they were trying to um like corrupt the what humanity was you know um corrupt the genome corrupt basically to keep the bot the souls from being able to fall into matter right so what the, what they were doing at the tower of babel from what i can deduce is that they were essentially building this tower up into a space in the in the realm of the sky you know and you hear this term um in a lot of gospel music and a lot of um, biblical talk where the well they'll say way up in the middle of the air right and and it's basically the idea that there's this um maybe a doorway that's that's somewhere in the in the upper vaults of the heavens that if they can get to this doorway they can actually get back into the garden of eden right and the reason for that is they want to get a hold of the tree of life you know, because what what Eve ate was from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which cast us into matter and gave us the you know opened our eyes to what good and evil is. Whereas the tree of life, you know, when you read the Bible, it, it the Elohim um, basically say that you know you know if they only took a hold of the tree of life, then they could live forever and be as us. You know, and so that's what searching for. Yeah, so these these uh, these these fallen offspring are basically building this tower up um, to to get into this doorway to enter into you know Eden to have yeah. access to the tree of life so that they can eat for eat of it 
and live forever in their fleshly bodies on the earthly realm. Um, it, it started to like uh, make sense in right. the, the way the way you are uh, delivering the layout, Robert. It's uh, this is well, really fascinating, mate. And and I think that is another reason when you get into the ideas of modern transhumanism and this this you know whole idea of you know and even going back into um, a medico Vespucci you know, and all these different, different sailors that were going out around the world, you know, looking for the fountain of youth, you know, basically this, this idea of living forever in, in the fleshly body, you know, um, it's, uh, it, but, but that was the whole thing when, you know, when, um, Lucifer wouldn't bow down to man because he was older. Um, yeah. it was the idea that, mankind could transubstantiate or his soul could ascend through the dimensional realms you know of, of the tree of life um above the vaults of heaven into the miscellaneous dimensions or mansions of the heavens you know yes yeah so but the angels you know they they could never they they were as as far as the construct of the way the universe was manifest they were stuck in their positions and they didn't have the and that's why they wanted to come that you know one of the other reasons that they wanted to come and and possibly bastardize the genome of humans you know yeah so yeah yeah um let's see um where are we at here Kane. okay so it says uh um trying to see Okay, so um, IFF had eight sons. One of sorry, whom. Was, sorry, mate. What what page on here? Oh, um, as far as uh, the quote. Yeah, the Book of Invasions. Are you are you are we on that? Or is this yeah, I'm, your... I'm going back to the Book of Invasions now. Oh, nice one, mate. Yeah, I was just basically laying out um, the whole concept of the Tower of Babel. You know. Brilliant, um, mate. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. What what page are we on? on? And the invasions, mate. Yeah, I didn't write down pages, man. I just took. Oh, okay, sorry. mate. No problem. Sorry. Um, All right. So IFF had eight sons, one of whom was Magog. He was the eighth son, and Magog had two sons, Ibath and Baath. So when we have the order of Bath under the queen, um, I think this may this may go back to Ibath and Baath. Um, and from Ibath afterwards came the rulers of the Romans. And Baath had a. Yeah, Ibath, I B A T H. I B A G H. Ibath, yeah. And then Baath, B A A T H, had a son, Phineas Farside, from whom are the Scythians of the seed of Gadriel. From Ibath are the Franks, Romans, Saxons, Britons, and Albions. Interesting, very interesting. Right? So we're, yeah, I mean, yeah. we're seeing direct, you know, lineage of the migrations of these roaming hordes and these barbarian hordes. You know, and when you read a lot of the histories, yeah. um, they're like, oh, we just don't know where they came from. 
you know, they, and they just appeared out of nowhere is what they say in a lot of cases. But we're seeing here the, the actual um, lineage as stated by themselves as to where they are coming from and where they're going to. Yeah, um, it, uh, um, I know I said fascinating a fair few times, Robert, but this is um, right. This is right. incredible, mate. <laughs> um, now back to the in the garden, right? Um, let's see the and it. it so we're talking about here we're talking about the serpent and and basically the eating of the fruit um the, the form of a serpent a body of thin air the devil took himself on the evil course the letters through which he made the incantation a wretched affair were hey vab hey vav he yad which is yad hey vav hey backwards so basically within this irish text they have the um, Iberu or Hebrew or the Israelite manifestation of the name of God, Yad Hevad He, in its reverse term in relation to the devil. Do you think it was deliberately um, portrayed in that way? Yeah, you got you got to wonder, man. Um, yeah, yeah I, know, just, I know it's like a ninety-nine point nine percent. Possibility, yeah. yes, but right, right. You don't know, do you, mate? Um, but I'm definitely leaning in the same direction as yourself. Right, right. And it says, um, "Left beyond right, the crooked left hand that stretched out to the apple." So here we're talking about um, the left hand, right? Um, yeah, basically, hand. yeah, the idea of the left hand path or dark magic, you know. Uh, evidently obviously in, in my opinion mm. now it says uh in the plane of sinar which in the bible it's shinar right but here it says in the plane of sinar after the tower was the fair school assembled in the city of ibitina for the learning of the manifold languages so here they're telling us that after the fall of the tower, that they actually set up a school in the, in the city of Ibitina, where they took the time to, you know, create these 72 languages and teach them to the offspring. You know, and you almost have to wonder, it's, it's interesting because to create a language, um, whole cloth yeah it, it's a lot of work um but at the same time did they teach these children from their birth and and bring them up in these languages so that it was their natural tone you know right and and raise them up with you know what you know um almost like with the script that they were to entail as a lifetime actor, you know, to push them into those lands, to cultivate those lands um, in the name of this bloodline, you know? Uh, you know, um, to me, I couldn't see them um, 
where you get like it's like like now how things mm. are it's all, it's almost as if they're trying to prevent any form of of any of us progressing in intercommunication yeah. between nations <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um so here's it also it goes on to say those skilled in tongues tis tuneful fame for their cunning i enumerated them including phineas farside with grace and callie of the just judgments and this is spelled c-a-l-i of the just judgments so here we're, we're yeah, like, like the nickname for california here or yeah. the or the nickname or the name of Kali, you know, um, the goddess of destruction of the Scythian um, in India. Now, now, now that that is uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and and it says Kali, yeah, it, it says Kali of the just judgments. So here they're also telling us that that they're using justice, you know, and the Hyperboreans were those who. Like Plato says, the Hyperboreans were those who practiced Jusimi or justice, right? And then the Zadoks, the sons of Noah, were that Zadok literally means justice, you know? So, so over and over, we see this idea of, of, you know, and now here we have a relation to Kali of the just judgments, you know, being in this school, learning one of these languages to be sent out amongst the nations, you know? Yeah. And it says, uh, Nell, son of Phineas, who was not weak, went into Egypt to Pharaoh in the land of the, in the land of Egyptian, of Egypt thereafter was born Gadriel, our father. So. Gadriel, that name's coming up again. Yep, yep. Gabriel. So Gadriel was the son of Phineas Farside, who was the one who basically went in and and assimilated Ireland during this time, and and you know so and when we look at with at Tolkien or Tolkien and and Gadriel as far as the elves, you know, um, that's a pretty interesting link. What do you think? I mean, I'm not I'm not doubting that um, Tolkien has got ideas from from different uh from different pantheons yeah um, well token studied languages so he went in and he was looking at the etymology etym etymology of the words um right. and and basically incorporating and you know um going back uh you know um into the early um island of tory you know in the in the glass tower that was there with the all-seeing eye you know that basically is the the origin of the conan myth you know right. um that he draws on that a lot for lord of the rings as well which comes out of ireland as well as well you know um yeah. but i also think yeah. it's interesting that the tory island you know going back to this this evil king you know um is it relates directly to the tories in the in the you know parliament now <laughs> uh, it's brilliant to love that one. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell, Robert. Um, right, I was right. very well stuck in that. I love it. <laughs> I know, I know. So yeah. now it says, um, Nell, son of Phineas, 
Oh yeah, I read that one. But as far as Gadriel, um, but but that's the whole thing, man. Um, when we get into the ideas of Gog and Magog, um, it's just just interesting um, how much um, people relate that in regard to the idea of apocalypse and revelation. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and in Genesis ten, it says. Magog is a man, an ancestor of a nation. So that's straight out of the Bible, you know. Um, have, and you, uh, have you seen the um, the the charade or whatever it's called uh, they do in London with the the Magog parade? Are you familiar with no. that? No, I'm not. And there's so much done in, in London. I'll uh, I'll get the date from when we finish um, part one. And it's mm, just yeah, yeah. Again, connections. Um, they, they don't right. just do things just for the sake of it. They do things for a reason. Right. Um. And then also now in Ezekiel, Ezekiel tells us Ezekiel. Gog is an yeah Gog is an individual and Magog is his land. So. You know, we're we're looking at this character of Magog, um, you know, coming out of Egypt in relation to the Tower of Babel, as far as Phineas Farside, you know, his offspring, yeah, yeah. Um, and basically being trained up at the Tower of Babel, um, and his offspring is Gadriel, and then them bringing this this uh, this culture into the land of Ireland, you know, um, in the Roman period. Alexander the Great built the gates of Alexandria of Alexander, the gates of Alexander, to repel the tribe of Magog. You know, so yeah. And Josephus tells us that Magog descended from Japhet, um, explaining them to be the Scythians. Oh, that's my note. So basically, Josephus, the uh, Jewish historian um that the romans basically took in um tells us that magog descended from japhet and directly relates them to the scythians you know again the scythian connection is uh, right. evident and uh, everywhere mate everywhere yeah. and um, the early the early christians referenced to them as one of the apocalyptic hordes the, the actual Scythians. Yeah, yeah. And um, let's see. So uh, in the Alexandrian romances of the time, right? Um, as far as the the uh, miscellaneous texts going around in Alexandria, um, in Rome, um, Gog and Magog were said to be engaged in um, human cannibalism. And this very much relates back to the Canaanites and how I get into the um, priests of Baal um, or the cannibals, you know. So, yeah, there's there's a direct link between um, the Canaanites and cannibalism. Um, (laughs) Now, in in the right in the Quran, um, in chapter Al Kahaf. Um, Gog and Magog become Yajuj and Majuj, who are 
um, primitive and immoral tribes that were separated out and barred off by duel, Karan. And basically they, they called him um, he of two horns, um, who is denoted to be the great righteous ruler and conqueror. So back to the he with two horns and how we talked about Nimrod and the bull and, and you know, um, let's see. Um, and then, well, of course, you know, in, in the Bible, Gog and Magog are generally associated with the apocalypse and the end times theology of Jewish, Judeo-Christian, Muslim, and um, Zedekite or Zoroastrian prophecies, you know. Um, I did find a mention in England. There's a, le a legend of one of the giant fighters there called Cornelius. Cornelius, yeah, he, yeah. Cornelius was one of uh, uh, the first king of um, Albion. Uh, okay, okay. That was uh, Brutus, Brutus of Troy. Okay. Yeah. Um, now it says that Cornelius, he fights two giants. And those yes. giants, yeah, those giants were Gog and Magog. Yes, mate. He wrestled yeah. them in down Cornwall. Right. And well, and then Cornelius became the founder of Cornwall. Right. Right. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, Ezekiel, a priest in the Temple of Solomon, who was a captive in the Babylonian exile. And this is um, chapter 38. He said, Gog, God goes against Gog, um, seems to lead to Gog returning and to being buried in the promised land. So basically there's a, a um, tale that after um, Ireland was set up that um, Phineas or the, the, the founders of the Magog um, basically returned to and were buried in the promised land, you know? Tell you what, Robert, like, yeah. just think about this, right? Them traveling from Egypt to Ireland. That must right? have been some fucking trek, that mate. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It's you know, but it's really not too far for it to be plausible. It's well, you know? yeah, definitely, definitely. You know? yeah. um, let's see. So in uh, second century AD, in classical rabbinical writings, right? Um, Gog and Magog, as they were names for the same nation who will come against Israel in the final war. So. Do you know, do you know something as well, Robert? What, uh, when, I, when I was looking into Brutus, yep. um, the, the dating was, I think, off the top of my head, it was around 12,500 years BC, roughly mm. around that time. Right, That's right. old, 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 well, old, old back. Yeah, and you also figure 12,000 BC is about when they figure um, kind of uh, the time of the great drying up was. Um, as far as, as right. you know, coming after the, the flood and, yeah. and the, you know, basically the, all the wandering, like, people that had been, like, uh, their civilizations had been decimated. That's... Yeah. <laughs> sorry when they thought they started okay. to come around fires 
um, and, and Feronius, this idea of Feronius bringing men out of the wilderness to gather around fires directly relates to Cain and the building of cities and, and bringing, re-civilizing humankind, basically, right? Yeah. Um, but also, I, I noticed, and this was just last night, um, but in the time of the great drying up, right, it was Qinyin in China. But if you look at that name, um, it actually looks like it says Cain with a Q. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because mm. but there are different ways of spelling Cain, aren't there? Right. I, think right. I found one, well, well, I don't know how true it is. Uh, you might be able to, let me just write it out first. Mm. Uh, it's allegedly, I will find it, so, yeah, uh, it's allegedly uh, spelled. Uh, Q-A-Y-I-N, um, right. so Cain, but that's... Uh, and that's almost, that's almost the same name of the Chinese um, Q-Yin, you know, that, and, and that. that's kind of their Noah character, you know, so, really? yeah, because basically, you know, he's the one that resettles the earth after the great, dry, after the, in, in the time of the great drying up after the flood you know right yeah yeah so uh, is it is it is it right when these like allegedly used by uh i say more occultist what's that the spelling of cain yeah you know um yeah it's interesting because I mean, when you get into the way letters work and you go back into some of the old spellings, um, a lot of times, like the A um, would have an A and an E connected, or an E would have an O and an E connected. So if you start to use some of these old spellings, there's there's a way that you could get Cain to be spelt with seven letters, you know, which basically goes back Jeez. into these, these long line of gods yeah. that you know, like Mithras and, um, you know, all the ones that basically have seven letters, you know, and I even found, I was reading um, the, um, the history of Jacobism by Abe Burrell the other day, um, yesterday, and the way they spelled economist in the text, it was O-E-C-O-N-O-M-I-S-T, which basically relates the idea that economy or economist um, the word itself comes from an imag from magical or occult roots, you know. That's brilliant, um, that Robert. Yeah. So, it but but really that's is. that's the whole thing in in modern um, like writing. You don't see these combined letters anymore, you know. But if you go back and you look at some of the Roman writings or the Greek writings, um, it was very common. Um, you know, and it, you, and even, you know, like Alexander the Great spelled his name yeah. with, with this, you know, this double letter, like a lot of the ancient leaders right. did as well, you know, the, to basically gain power and put power, you know, uh, that from coming from the occult forces, you know, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, 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 so. so um, they, they must have been meddling in all kinds of background. Oh yeah, man. Well, and that's why you know when when you see Nimrod or Nimrod or you know you, you know that just the and like Nebu, you know, um, it just the the spelling varies as these 
various cultures move and flow through the different nations and the different, you know, and, and early on, like what Hebrew and, and the early, you know, they, they had no vowels, you know, because those were like sacred letters that you weren't supposed to write down, you know, um, they were intonated like as, as sacred vibrations, you know, in regard to calling down certain entities, you know, or in relation, like the set in Egypt, the seven vowels, were the hymn of Osiris. So when you would go through ah, ye, ah, oh, that was the hymn of Osiris, you know, which became later the uh, the progressive tuning of the musical notes of Pythagoras, you know. Wow, it's just yeah. Uh, yeah. There's so much of it that uh, mm. that we don't know. So much to learn, and. Uh, like I said at the start, mate, uh, having a conversation with you it is <laughs> um, it's extraordinary, mate. Well, I'd, I'd like to dance around and all this stuff, man. It's fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I love it, mate. I love it. So um, I got a few more references here to uh, Gog and Magog I want to go through, and then I pretty much covered all the, the information that I've yeah, – yeah. Yes, mate. No problem, um, mate. Um, so, thank you. Oh, yeah. So now the book of Revelations tells of the spirit of Apollo, Apollyon, is imprisoned for a thousand years. And when released, he will rally the nations of the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to a final battle with Christ and all the saints as they ascend into angelic forms. So and that's from a first century um christian writer right there but i i find it interesting that um you know we have the fallen angels that basically came down and you know a third of of the forces of heaven basically yeah. fell into matter right um and then if you look at the catholic church um all of these miscellaneous saints right um they believe that in end times that these um, saintly figures will basically ascend and become angels themselves in the heavens. Oh, that's from the Catholic uh, doctrine, is it? That's from the Catholic, Catholic doctrine, yeah. Right, basically, right. yeah, basically creating new angels, you know, um, from the souls yeah, of, yeah. of fallen humans, you know. Um, and let's see, now also many have compared the U.S. and Russia as Gog and Magog, you know, um, basically being the military rival between capitalism and communism. That's interesting, that, mate. You know? And that is a, that's a brilliant, um, another brilliant perspective. That's a high possibility, no doubt. Well, but... Uh, first time also, I've heard that. That's brilliant, mate. Yeah, but also you have to figure within the modern political vernacular, it's a good way to get people um, activated and excited about an idea to reference, you know, reference it in terms of biblical theology. So it may just be a form of propaganda, you know? Yeah, that's a yeah. possibility. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so in the 12th century, um, the 10 tribes of Israel became identified with Gog and Magog. So that's another... You know, um, it's very interesting, isn't it? Right, right. Um, let's see. Now, Christian of Stavlod 
noted that Gog and Magog should be the Kasarians, one of the seven tribes of Hungarians who had converted to Judaism. So this Christian of Salvat basically relates Gog and Magog to the Kasarians. And, and, you know, when you look at the idea of um, a lot of people talk about the Kasarians have basically um, taken over rule of modern day Israel, you know, so maybe that is the idea of Gog and Magog and like, you know, um, I don't want to say necessarily false, but people that have come in and interceded that aren't of that take the line of and then become the enemy there because of something along those lines, maybe, you know? Um, yeah. Um, now we have a Borgia map um, from 1430, right? And they can find the Jews um, in the world map and where they were at in the Far East, right? Um, on this, this Borgia map. They basically labeled the Jews as Gog and Magog, you know. Really? Um, yep, yep. And that was by the Borgias, you know, Jeez. when they were in Very charge of the Vatican, right? Um, and then the Napoleonic invasion of Russia was called the War of Gog and Magog. Um, and in modern times, the Cold War, um, you know basically is still identify uh, identifies russia with gog and now even in some modern political aspects um you have them identifying china as magog so it's just interesting but but oh, it's just right right it really but is from the book of invasions itself from this history you know and but we have to take into account that you know this is numerous fragments pieced together that have been you know uh broken and scratched off and rewritten and but but this text tells us um in the whole form multiple stories about being magog and how they were at the Tower of Babel and studied this language and brought, you know, brought it into the land. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's just um, interesting in regard to apocalypse thinking and revelations and John the Revelator and, um, you know, the idea of, of revelations in the war of Magog and Gog in the end times, you know. Yeah. So, but that's pretty much all I got, man. <laughs> Robert, um, mate, I, it doesn't matter what we discuss. Every single episode we've ever done has been mind-blowing from the start to the very end. Yeah. You really are. Um, you're a true gift to to this community, mate. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. Oh, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just the way you explain everything. Yeah, it's well, just. Um, spot on every time mate you are you are elite levels to come <laughs> but well that's what i was saying man is i had read this story 20 years ago and i had no footing um to be able to understand what it was talking about you know yeah. um, you know I, I, I get that mate i mean yeah. i think it will if somebody was to just go uh, and get this book uh, i highly recommend getting it mm. if anybody just goes to get it think because of what's gone on 
and what's going on. Right. It, it sort of connections. Mm. So, so now, um, after I finished the book of invasions, um, some I posted something about it on Twitter, and somebody got a hold of me, and they were like, "Have you read the Chronicles of Erie? Have you heard of this book?" Yeah. The, so the it's the now I already got it, and I'm already about 180 pages into it. Oh man! Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, about there. <laughs> yeah, but this this book is much longer. Of Erie. I, I was spelling Erie, mate. E R I. Yeah. And so now upon initially investigating this and, and finding the text and just in the first few pages, right? It's the history of the Gal Scota idea or the Irish people. And it says, come and then this is on the the title page of the book. It says, coming from the Phoenician dialect of the Scythian language. Honestly, yeah. one of me, uh, one of my friends, uh, I mentioned I was covering this with you, and uh, he actually mentioned um, Phoenicians. Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole thing. So this book of Eri is directly relating the Scythians to the Phoenicians. Um, which yes. makes a lot of sense, actually, because when you look at the Scythians coming down and the shepherd kings going into Egypt and then the Exodus um, and the Hibiru becoming the Israelites or the warriors of God. And basically that was at the point that basically they came into Cana and took the Canaanites as slaves. Um, and, you know, like Moses, when he cursed um can you know canna um he said they will be the slave of slaves so here we have the slaves of israel in the exodus coming to canna and taking the canaanites as slaves right and this is at the same point that the the canaanite history completely ends and we see the rise of phoenician history so if, if we trace these scythians through the shepherd kings, through the Ibiru, into the Israelites, into you know the the Phoenicians, um, we can see direct linkage um, right down the line, man, from the Scythians um, to the Phoenicians. Yeah, absolutely fantastic, mate. Um, yeah, yeah, and already um, it's something. Please recommend it in mm. itself is um, something that you will avoid <laughs> for sure. Well, now this Chronicles of Erie is, um, I want to say it's eight, nine hundred pages long, man. It's its a brick. Yeah, so, is it, I, bet, I bet I'm going to take a guess now. Is it small print as well? Um, yeah, it's pretty small print. Um, but basically <laughs> what, what this is, is it's a uh, it's an, a Gaelic Irish guy um, that is well versed in the history of of the land and basically someone from the royal society asks him to write a history um and that's basically what becomes the chronicles of erie so yeah this sounds fantastic I, I, i've just had a quick look at slate not not 
overly expensive, but um, right, right. definitely something I am going to be yep. getting uh, soon. Um, but but again, you know, it's just like the Book of Invasions, man. Um, it talks about the original seat, the nations, yeah. the tribes of the Scythian race, um, from the earliest accounts of this earth to the foundation of Babel. Um, the Phoenicians' records destroyed by the destroyed by the Romans. Um, it, it goes into the chief of the Gaul um, of Scotta of Ibir. Um, it goes into Shinar and the Scythian governments. It goes into Armenia wow. and the countries, the country of the Scythian chiefs um, escaped by boat in Armenia. Um, it talks about the Nimrod occupying enemy city states um, as far as the Arab, the Egyptian and the Scythian, you know, as far as ruling over um, all of Mesopotamia and the Assyrians, you know, um, it's, it's some pretty, you know, it's another one of these uh, exact stories that we're talking about as far as uh, the migrations of these people, you know? Yeah. Fascinating, mate. Uh, yeah. So I can't wait to look into this. Uh, but Robert, mate. Fun, huh? <laughs> that was phenomenal, <laughs> that. Uh, but before you go, mate, would you like to let everybody know where they can get hold of you, please? I will include everything in the show notes. As, as know, yeah. Well. Yeah, um, I have art on Etsy. Um, it's uh, Robbie or R Marks Artist on Etsy. Um, I'm on Instagram as uh, Robbie R O B B Y M A R X. Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, if you just Google R Marks Artist, um, I should pop up most places. So, nice one, mate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you've not checked out Robbie's art. Please, you'll know what I mean as soon as you see it. It is yeah. something else. And you are incredible, Robert. Thanks, man. I'm actually doing, um, I'm starting in on a, the, the series of illustrations for the book, man, um, for my Nimrod book. Oh, so, you know, right. I, I was just going to ask you uh, before we start recording, has yeah. there been any further progression with, yep. um, yes, fucking yes. Yeah, the, the editor's going through, and you know, it's uh, it's a tedious process, man. It's I uh, can imagine, mate. But yeah. you'll get the when, when, when the time's right, mate. I'm sure right. everything's gonna fall into place. Time place. Out, not it'll, it'll, yeah, it'll come out right at some poignant point when it's supposed to, man. You know, <laughs> brilliant, the, wheel, mate. Brilliant. the wheels turn in the way the wheels turn because that's how yeah. they to turn, you know, exactly. So, I love that, yeah. mate. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, Robert, it has been uh, an incredible uh, journey that episode we just took us through. But it was brilliant. Thank you very much. Definitely. Um, you are a legend, mate. You really are. Um, thank you very much, sir. Uh, I'm going to start recording now, mate. Okay. six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes.
red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.